Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. What's up, guys? Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about leadership and how you can use a very powerful tool. I love it. Listening, you know, because if you can listen, you can get everything what you need. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Heather Younger. How are you? I'm doing great. It's here yeah. snowy. I'm in Colorado and it's like snowy here. So it's like perfect day. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can go to Florida. I can show my view. You know. Ah, okay. Well, I, can't, I that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And then mine is beautiful too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't pull it. I can't change it necessarily. I mean, I have to like walk around my house with my laptop. <laughs> uh, okay, but for a few weeks, you know, or 10 days, seven days. So it depends. <laughs> okay, yes. I, I know you You wrote a book. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about that. Before we start, just tell more about experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about leadership? Well, I mean, so the caring leadership concept was one that um, I think was just born out of some adversity that I faced. So adversity as a child, adversity. I was, I remember it was some years ago, I was working in an organization that had a merger and I just remember all these people that kept coming to me asking me like, what's happening? Like my manager's not talking to me. These people aren't being responsive. I see someone's title. It looks like my title. Like am I being laid off? And there was just a lot of fear and mistrust. And I had already kind of acted like an informal cultural ambassador, trying to uplift people, whether they were on my, my team or not. And I went to the head of HR and I just told her we needed to do something about our the mistrust, the fear, the lack of engagement. And she said, you're right. You should go do something about that. And I was like, wait, what? And I created an employee engagement council, created like you know, bringing all these people together, trying to figure out how we can break down the walls of mistrust and really create more unity and engagement. And it was in that like it was kind of like a turning point for me where I realized that many times organizations and the leaders inside aren't expressing care and particularly expressing care during big changes like mergers and reorgs. And somebody had to be the voice for the people who were who was driving. They were driving the business forward, but they felt like they were kind of left behind and left out in many ways. And so I chose to kind of be that voice for those underrepresented people in the workplace. And that's how I get to where I'm at now today. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about the listening. Can you tell how to use this powerful tool? Because I, I see, you know, when companies uh, still use uh, generic tools, uh, they are good, you know, but they provide the average data uh, or online studies. For example, they open IHREF, SEMrush, many other recognizable tools just to check out the average data. But when you talk directly to your customers, you can get a lot more insights. And I know CEOs of big companies can spend time with customers. Can you tell more about listening? How to use in the right way this tool? Yeah, I mean, I ha I've, it's a five-step process for the cycle. I call it a cycle of active listening. And... Um, I think the biggest thing is that we think that like we have a couple conversations or we do a customer or an employee survey and then like that's all we do. We get the information and it's kind of like one way where it's like we're like a receptacle where the information's coming into us and we're like evaluating it maybe and in a lot of cases we're not evaluating it. And then that's all we do. But there's a process. We have to make sure that we obviously act upon some of it, that we that we decode is what I call, which is like reflecting on it as a group, including certain people to really reflect on what it means to the entire organization, customers, employees, whoever it is, you're really whatever type of tool you're looking at. And then from there, deciding what you're going to act on and create an action plan 
that includes more people, not less, that it's not just like the top down approach, but it's maybe you're creating culture teams. Um, you're creating people internally who are willing to look at the information and figure out what's the best course of action to take for whatever stakeholder that information is from. And then after you've gone, you've done some taken actions and while you're doing it along the way, you're doing what I call closing the loop. So you make sure that you're at each point of the action you're taking based upon the voices that you heard and the feedback that you received, that you go take action and that you then connect the dots for them. You let them know, by the way, the, the action that we took based upon what you told us was directly tied to you. Thank you so much for improving our organization because we heard you. We're acting based upon what you said and we want you to know we value that. And then we're going to tell you what we're doing based upon your voice every step of the way. And to me, that is a powerful way to listen because it says to people, it's not that I maybe heard you or that our action is maybe tied to what you said. It is for sure tied to what you said. And I want you to know that you're more important than you think to us as our as an organization. We we value you. We respect your opinion. And I think that just goes a long way because many times I think customers, employees, we're kind of just left guessing whether someone really hurt us because we don't see any action and no one tells us what they're doing on our behalf. And in this new model, it's requiring us to be more action focused, more open and communicative the other way. So not just like a receptacle, but the other way we're going to them and saying, oh, you are important to us. And this is what we've done. And so we'll continue to do And Every time we take action based upon what you've asked us to do, we are going to tell you that we're taking the action. And then we're going to tell you exactly what that looks like. We might even include you and ask you to help us with the actions that we're thinking about taking. I just feel like... That gives uh, so much is. more power to the end user, doesn't it? So much more power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you wrote a book. Can you tell? You know, I, I love reading books. Uh, I spend so much time by reading books uh, because uh, foundation of human psychology are on books, so you don't need to find anything else. But, you know, I found that many business books are good for sleeping. You know, when you have problems with sleeping, <laughs> You can read before bed, you know, and after that, you can sleep well the whole night, you know, and don't remember anything from this book. Can you tell what kind of benefits can you share on your book and uh, why it's important to know something about uh, leadership uh, or listening from your book? Well, I mean, the the. I have three, two, and then one coming out in April. Mm. The second, the first one was self-published and it was on uh, the seven intuitive laws of employee loyalty. And that was me taking like all of the years of work I'd done and really consolidating what it was, the things we can do to create more loyalty in our employee base. The second book on caring leadership was my desire to put more guardrails, more meat, more definitive one, two, three, four steps into what caring leadership look like. Because we hear the word well, they care about me. They don't care about me. Well, what does that mean exactly? So that book actually gives you great storytelling, actual tactical steps by actual leaders who have been in the trenches with people. Um, and then it's founded in research. So it's not just guessing. People like it because it has like a combination of heart and like the softer side and then like actual rigid things that you want to go do. And then this third book that will come out in April is doesn't have as many like interviews and things like that in it. It's more founded about just my personal experience and listening to thousands of employees and customers. Um, and that one has, it's the art of active listening, how people at work feel heard, valued, and understood. 
And in that book, I increased or expanded the audience. So instead of just being those who lead other people, now it's every employee in any position they hold at work and their ability to listen more effectively to whoever they, they need to listen to. And in that one, there's a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of tools and takeaways, video resources, a lot of different things that say, how can we really learn the best way, the better way to actively listen to people? Yeah, awesome, awesome. I'm going to read your books. I have a huge list of books that I'm going to read. But yeah, I definitely submit your books. Guys, you can find uh, links to these books in the description below. By the way, you can share them on private chat. Uh, 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 on the uh, right side. So just share these books and I'll submit to the podcast episode. Uh, I have the question about uh, leadership. For example, um, you know, uh, uh, I check out one study that many employees are unhappy. Uh, 70% of people are unhappy with their jobs. And uh, some companies uh, ask, employees what's going on uh, how to fix it and many of them uh, told they don't like their bosses now uh, because of bad bosses be because of toxic environment can you tell for uh, for business owners what to do how to fix it how to listen to your employees to understand their uh, wishes desires uh, how to unite them uh, to get uh, cohesive goals and go ahead with that well, I mean, I think the key, you, you already kind of, you, you put the answer to the question inside the question, which is yeah. if we don't listen, if we don't yeah. listen, truly listen, lean into people's perspective, include them in decision-making and action planning, let them know the power of their voices by telling, to tell them and thank them for their, in, how they are taking part in any changes that you want, then you can't, you can't get to point C if you don't even start at point A. So listening is really foundational to that. I would say the other thing is that as we are listening, especially right now, <laughs> People's visions for themselves has changed so drastically. I know it has for me. I love being able to sit right here at my table in my house when it's snowy outside and not drive around all over the place. I have different shifted visions, and I think many, or many, many employees do have that. And so those leaders who take the time to understand how they can recalibrate how it is they're leading those people individually and meeting them where they're at in their new defined vision, it's going to make it easier to create a more cohesive uh, structure, uh, goal setting, just team, uh, connectedness will happen the more we get to the bottom of that. But sometimes we're not going to get to the truth. So someone could shift their vision for themselves, but not trust you. And so you have to go do the hard work as a manager of teams to build that trust with them. Do what you say you're going to do. Be with them in the trenches so that they know that you have their back. Help them to elevate their game by helping them get better um, skills, right? Helping them on their career path. When you start doing them, they see that you're with them as partners. It's going to make a huge difference on whether they want to stay with you or whether they want to run away from you. <laughs> That's the gist. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, let me share my story. Uh, a few years ago, uh, my company worked on a big project uh, and I spent so much time with that. Uh, and uh, a toxic environment appealed in my company. I didn't know about that, but many 
players, good uh, players on my team left company. So I decided to uh, investigate, to learn more about that and got it. Uh, people can't find, uh, you know, good communication between others, uh, departments. So uh, can you tell how to avoid toxic environment in uh, specific companies uh, and uh, what bosses can do today to create positive environment? Yeah, I would say the the whole idea of toxic culture, um, it, it starts with who you bring in. So who is mm -hmm. it that you're recruiting into the organization? What kind of questions are you asking them when they come in? How much are you really, truly screening them? Do you have kind of almost like a um, an onboarding process that allows it to be not permanent to start? Could you potentially contract with them and see how they mence well with the the culture and if they are people who have high values that align with your organizational values, I would say that's a big one. The other thing is, do you enforce bad behavior? Do you do you make sure that and behavior that's counter to your norms and your organization is actually um, enforced in a way that says you're either going to be put on notice that this is not okay. You're going to either have to leave our organization because your behavior is not okay. It's not in line with what how we treat each other. So do you have norms that are written? Do you enforce that through performance reviews? Do you perform? Do you enforce that your leader or manager one-on-ones? Because you cannot allow, for example, microaggressions to take place. You cannot allow for uh, unfair treatment or exclusionary practices to take place in your organization if that's counter to your social norms there. So I think those are some of the things you can do. And if we think about leaders, I mean, I think in the end, you have authority. Um, you can use your positive power that's inside the authority you have with your title to act in one way and to accept certain things, or you can choose to not do that. And so I think if you if you can take that amongst you know inside yourself and say, I'm not going to accept that these particular poor behaviors by people that we bring in, or I'm going to change our recruiting practices to make sure we have the right people on the team and on bus, um, that's how you're going to get past it. You do have more power than you think, and you can mm -hmm. use it. You don't have to like, you don't have to like point a finger and blame someone, just own it, just own it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, uh, you know, once I spoke with Jim Edwards, he worked uh, 10 years in Business Insider. They, uh, they started the company from scratch, uh, then uh, grew to uh, $500 million uh, and uh, 1,000 employees around the world. And he told me uh, their success depends on uh by the way he wrote a book say thank you to anything no just thank you for any actions uh but uh can you tell for example if i uh i can't avoid critics so i need to criticize someone because of uh, bad behavior i don't know anything uh, but how to do it right how uh, uh, you know to criticize without hurting the feeling, without hurting uh, I don't know other people, but uh, to show that it's not good, we need to change something to update and go ahead. Uh, your insights mm. about that? Yes. So caring leadership, I what I call caring leadership, isn't just all this like soft, squishy stuff that people think about when they think of when I when I talk about this. It actually is about creating, uh, setting clear expectations, providing guidance, uh, inserting guardrails, and then letting people run down the runway at their own speed and in the way they need to. So I think in the case of like, if you help to help people, what course correct, um, help them do better in the role that they're doing. I think I, I was just the other day, I met this person. This is this is an example of it. I'm going to show you what, how, how I want to answer it in a, in a story. 
So I was at a, um, I had to go to a restaurant. I was taking an order out while I was on travel and I was, I placed an order to go and I was waiting and waiting for the order. I'm like, gosh, this seems to be taking a long time. And I'm seeing people are being served ahead of me. So there's a lady who's in this kind of catty corner to me and she's looking and I'm looking and I'm like, this is taking a long time to get it. So I walk over to the woman who took my order and I say, um, I'm, I, I've been here for quite a while now. I'm just wondering where the order is. Can you check for me and see? Because it seems to be an, a long, long time before I get my order. And I can't remember exactly what else I said there. But the person who I just met, who was at Caddy Corner, she said, I was just so impressed how you handled that. You went over there and you you were very gentle, but you were very clear that you had an expectation that the work had to get done, that you needed your order and you needed to get out of there. And so I think that there's a way to be respectful in the engagement, the, the, the interaction that you have. And at the same time, let them be very clear that the thing that needs to get done needs to get done and that there's a timeline for it. Now, at the same time, you want to listen to find out maybe why were there delays in their in their um, the action they needed to take in the work they need to get done. Find out what it was. And maybe they were valid and viable options. And maybe you need to listen to that and provide them that flexibility. But in the end, everybody has to be super clear about what the goals are, what the deadlines and the timelines are, be super mm-hmm. clear on the role they play. And then again, if they're going off course or they haven't done, you know, they're, they're really missing the mark, you got to sit with them. But, you know, you really can't have those conversations if you haven't spent time listening to them and understanding what their needs are and then meeting mm-hmm. those needs. Now, when you get to the point where you can tell them, hey, this is not like working exactly how we plan it's because you've already met them with so much care. So it's easier to do. Yeah, yeah, I love it, love it. Uh, but let's imagine a business owner is busy. No, they, they have no time. You know, uh, they need to develop, innovate, company, products, anything. Uh, can your tips how to find time for busy people to listen to others, to spend time with them, to learn their desires, wishes, problems, anything, uh, but still uh, work hard on their projects. Yes. I can't, I don't really like the word busy. I sometimes use it and I just, I cringe when I hear other people use it. I cringe if I accidentally use it because I would prefer it to be like, I'm productive, I'm efficient. And I think in that case, um, you would be more productive more efficient as a manager of people if you use your time to meet with people who report to you. When you meet with them and they know that you care about them and that you're going to invest that time into them, they're going to be more willing to go over and above. I mean, I I have been a leader of teams for many years and every time I would invest in them, they would give more back to me and the team because they felt like I was in their corner. So, cause I spent time with them. I knew about their family. I knew about what it was that were barriers to them. So it is more worth your time to be less busy, more productive by meeting with your people and spending time and getting to know them because they will give more back to you. It like way more than you can ever give to them in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Okay, uh, I know from personal experience, it's hard to change your habits. For example, uh, I mean, like for example, I have bad uh, habits, and I'm going to uh, take good ones, and it takes time, you know, to change it, to stick with them. And for example, people who smoke, uh, they know it's uh, it hurts their health, but they 
keep smoking. Uh, if someone drinking or I don't know, eating junk food. So it takes time to change habits. Can you share your practical tips? For example, I'm going to listen uh, my employees. I need to spend time with them, but I still have my bad habits. You know, uh, probably not bad, but you know, uh, uh, but not uh, related to listening. Your tips: how to stick with them? How to uh, any practical tips? How uh, to change your uh, bad habits to good habits? Yes, I mean one of the ways I would recommend if you're somebody who likes journaling like writing mm-hmm. in a journal, it is to kind of track yourself over, let's say a 30 day period interactions you're having with your team. So let's say you decide, let's say you never were somebody who would set up one-on-one times on your calendar. So now you say, I'm going to set up one-on-one times with my direct reports, no matter how busy I am, I'm going to meet with them weekly to find out how they're doing with their projects, how they're doing with the processes, but also to check in on them as humans, as people to see how they're doing. And I'm going to write in my book, what was that exchange like when I met with them? Were they more receptive? Did they start to share more? And when you, when you first start to meet with them, if you haven't been doing that, they're going to seem a little closed off. They're not going to give you as much. By the time you're two weeks into it and three weeks into it, you're going to start to see things change with their whole body posture, what it is they share with you, how many much more times they, they smile, how much more times they check in with you to let you know how they're doing with their projects and like the exciting things that are going on for them. So you'll be able to track what you're doing in the emotional response and even the real business response to what it is that's happening. I think that's a really good tool if it with for any habit. So they tell you like with weight loss or with working out, if you track what you're putting in, yeah. <laughs> uh, then you're more accountable to putting in the right things. And then as if you, if you track what you, when you stand on the scale and you see, Oh, I've lost weight today, or I didn't lose weight, or I gained because I had that fried chicken, or I had those chocolate chip cookies. So it's that same type of thing, like find a way to measure and track the thing you're doing and the output of what it is you're doing. And when you do that, it makes you want to keep doing it. It's like a, an emotional thing to your brain that says, yay, like celebration, there's a positive change happening. Yeah, by the way, 90% of people can't lose weight. Uh, even uh, some of them who can, they uh, get back this weight. So it, it's hard. It's hard. But, it is hard. Uh, yeah, but if if you want to do it, if you have perseverance, yeah, you can go ahead. Uh, let me quote something from your LinkedIn profile. I love it. I love it. You know, uh, My why is to give a voice to the voiceless at work. Those employees who feel powerless, to hopeless and helpless. Can you tell more about that? How often can you see uh, something like this, voiceless, hopeless, helpless in companies and uh, how you can help to fix it? Well, I mean, it happens often, doesn't it? I think, unfortunately, there is an imbalance of power between those who have authority and those who feel like they don't or don't have authority. Mm -hmm. And so those people, they're walking around our workplaces feeling like their hands are tied, uh, that they are limited in just the title they have in the role they play. And oftentimes there are managers or other people on teams that really set out, they may not set out to do it, but they make people feel really tiny, kind of inconsequential to the end goal that the organization is trying to get done. And so what we do is we try to be the voice for those people who feel like their high hands are tied like they are kind of helpless in the workplace that they're in. They're only there to get a job done for the people who are in power. And so our goal is to create a connection, a bridge between those people 
and the people who actually can do something to make those other people know that that's not true by their actions, by their responsiveness, by their including more people on the journey. So that is kind of my personal mission. That's the organizational mission that my team is kind of really rallied again, uh, you know, with how do we help or leaders understand the power they possess to really uplift and change people's perceptions of their power at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, how to uh, use this process remotely? For example, I have a lot of people in many different countries uh, and uh, some of them have stress, some of them have own culture. Can you tell how to uh, listen to them remotely, you know, uh, online, uh, set up meetings or any tips how to do it? I mean, I, here's what I say about this online thing. I mean, is it harder to listen? It is because listening is also uh, a body language thing. So it's the stuff you can't see, um, the stuff that you don't hear in your ears, but you see with your eyes. So yes, it's harder. Is it impossible? It, it, it's not. It requires a level of intentionality. So go out of your way, make it a priority. Like if I said before that you get more productive, you get more efficient when you meet with the people that look to you for leadership, because the more you listen to them and they feel heard, the more they're going to want to do for you and your team. That is a winning combination. You can do that. Like right now, you're here, you and I are on the screen. I see that you're listening and you're engaged with me. You're not putzing around with phones. You're not putzing around with your dogs and all the things that are happening, right? You are with me. Your positive body language is forward looking at me. And I see that. So I see that you want to be with me, no matter if we're in person or not. You want to be with me, which makes me want to be with you. See? Nice. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> awesome. But you have uh, energy. You know, I can feel your energy. <laughs> Even if you're not close with me in Colorado, but I still uh, <laughs> have your energy. You know, you can encourage me. <laughs> okay. And you want to go uh, do more for me now, right? Like Now you're like, dang it, how can I do more for Heather? <laughs> That's exactly what happens when we sit with people. And we are mm-hmm. with people, not on a phone, not being distracted. I don't care where we're at. Even if we're on a phone with not a video, you can hear if somebody's putzing around in the background. You can hear if they're distracted or you can hear if they're locked into what you're saying. Because I'm now, it's like a tennis match. You say something to me, I say something to you. You say something to me, I say something to you. Which means I am locked in to what it is you are saying on the other end. If, though, mm-hmm. you say something and I respond with something totally off the, like, what? It means I wasn't listening to you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you you mentioned a few times about distractions. Can you tell how to avoid them? Because uh, I still have issue, a lot of issues with distractions. You know, when I, I'm trying to do some one job, I need to respond to many emails to uh, to my customers, to my colleagues. Uh, a, a lot, a lot your advice how to avoid them and uh, stick with the main goal that's a i think this is an amazing question because we all struggle with this i mean i have four children and when they come in my house when they come in here from after school and i'm like on doing my work and they're like thinking mom is home but i'm working i work at home and i'm just like overwhelmed by the level of distraction when they come in between the phone buzzing and the computer so i think there's this question this thing that we have to answer for ourselves How important is the person who's in front of us right now? Like, I don't know you. I've never met you besides right now. But in this moment, the thing I value is you. 
and I have mm -hmm. to be present for you only. Yes, there are buzzings happening on my phone. I see my email going, T -t -t -t. I see the number. There's actually a number that I'm seeing my emails go higher and higher and higher. But are you the most important thing in front of me in this moment? Do you need me? And I think the answer is yes. So since I think that way, I need to respond in kind. So I can't be checking the email. I can't be checking the cell phone because the person needs me right there in that moment. And I can change their entire life by being fully present for them right there. And if I change the way they see that, how, how I think they're important to me, what will they do for me? So I'm, I'm saying this, like if you're a salesperson, if you're in customer experience, is you're, if you're an employee and it's a leader, leader to team member, what will they do after I have been fully present for them? That's something we need to ask ourselves. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I want to uh, ask about stress because you highlighted on your LinkedIn profile as well. For example, uh, all businesses have some stress. All people have stress, you know, because of many things, unpredictable things. Uh, can you tell how to handle it, how to uh, control uh, stress level or take away and uh, pay attention to something that's really important? Mm, boy. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. And totally, I am not a big, huge, like, like I'm just the master of getting rid of stress. I tend to be a person who have, who has had uh, anxiety. I have had panic attacks. I have a lot of stress in my life. I have, I'm a very busy entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I would say this, I talk about self-care a lot. And I think that us peeling away time, inserting it into our calendar or making it the first thing we do in the morning and the last thing we do at night and making something that we can do in the middle of the day to clear our minds. Some people love meditation. Some people like prayer. Some people like walk. Some people like gardening. Some people like reading books. There's so many things that can fill us up. Yeah, I would say that we have to be in all things super intentional. How? Mm -hmm. What are the things that we can do? Like, What do we know? Right now it's snowing, so I'm not going to go outside and go take a walk. But maybe it's like taking the time to listen to some kind of meditative kind of trans-like thing that relaxes me. Maybe it's getting some hot cocoa. Maybe it's going to do a 10-minute exercise somewhere. Like it's, there's something that I can do that says, <sighs> like, how do I release? How do I release? That's the thing that's in my chest, that's in my gut. And we have to be so intentional with it. It can't happen by accident. It'll never happen. And that's what I would say yeah. we need to do more of. Love it, love it. I'm going to read your book because, you know, I, I, I can feel your energy. I need more energy, you know, because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I read books, I get energy from all offers, so I need it. <laughs> okay, uh, I have a question about common mistakes. Can you list common mistakes that businesses still do uh, and your tips how to find a much better way? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the biggest common mistake, I think, is a, is a failure to listen. Like if you don't include people, so if you think you can just do this top-down approach to leading an organization, it's going to be a big failure for you. You're going to have so many blind spots because you are not including more people in the process of change that you're looking for, the process of improvement that you're looking for. So when you exclude people who actually know more about the business than you do because they're in the front line, when you exclude them, you have blind spots. So you just, you're making decisions in a vacuum. I would say those are kind of the most important things that we, that leaders are doing, that organizations are doing right now. They're leaving out the people who really understand the business more than the people at the top.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, uh, can you tell, for example, if I listen to someone, I understand pain points, I understand uh, a lot, but if I can't decide it, uh, it's not uh, in my power to decide all these pain points. Can you tell how to find another way uh, to help and support others uh, who, uh, for example, who uh, shares a lot of pain points, but it's not in my power to decide them? Yeah, I mean, I think the key is just support. Caring leadership is like a support mechanism that you don't have to have a title for. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, a coworker who you know is struggling with mental health issues. Um you can maybe show them that there's some internal resources in your organization that can help support them. Like maybe there's free therapy that they can have, or you could be there to be like just sitting and offer to just be an ear for them. You can offer to introduce maybe other coworkers who uh, maybe, you know, that there's a group they had started, they started internally to support each other and you can introduce them to that group. I think that in work and in life that we wait too long to get permission. We wait for someone else to be the one who starts to change when instead we should be the ones who own the power we have. So we can be the one who is kind and supportive to the person who's next to us. And we don't need to look for an executive leader, a manager to be the one if we have no title or authority to do it. And in some ways we can be an influence to those who we report to. And we can share with them what we know in general terms, not using anybody's names or giving up a confidence that someone's told us, but we can tell them generally what's happening inside the culture. And we can offer some tips to them, those above us on what maybe they can do to make culture and make the work life better for everybody. We have the ability to influence more than we think too. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, Heather, I have the question about, uh, let's imagine you started from scratch. You didn't write any books. Uh, you didn't have any experience uh, just from scratch. What will you do today to learn more about leadership? Uh, here's what I would say. This is going to sound so bad, I know. I don't read a lot of books, even though I'm an author. I read articles. Mm-hmm. I read articles. I watch videos. Um, I also watch a lot of people, you know, like people in my life, people in the workspace. And so I think, you know, pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention to whatever you have access to. If it's books that you like it, if it's YouTube, if it's videos, if it's your community, if it's your pastor at your church, if it, it doesn't matter. Pay attention to a variety of people and just learn from them. Be kind of have a learning mindset. And that's how you learn how to do it. Um, the other thing is get in the trenches and do it because you learn by doing. I know I have. I don't have a degree in human resources management. I don't have a degree in leadership, but I have just been in the trenches. I've just done it. And now I'm known as this person because I've done it and I talk about it and I share and I try to help and I try to uplift. So that's what I'm going to tell you. I don't think you need to get 20 degrees to do it. I just think you need to pay attention and learn. Yeah, love it. I couldn't agree more with that. It's like, for example, if I get degree how to play soccer, I can't beat Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, and many other <laughs> soccer stars. I can read a hundred books how to play soccer, but I can't beat them who play every single day. Because for me, I agree. You now, implementation is more important. Uh, execution, you need to do than learn. Because over learning, 
Uh, I, I love learning, but uh, I, I hate overlearning when you spend so much time by learning something and do nothing. Uh, nothing brings nothing. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's a great quote right there. Nothing yeah, brings but, nothing. But, but if you do, you know, you can learn through experience. It's much better than uh, even learning because uh, for me, I can learn something and forget for a few hours about uh, that. If uh, I know, for example, Bill Gates uh, usually uh, makes notes when he learns something, he makes notes and think, okay, how I can implement it, how I can use it. It's the same with anything, you know, you need to uh, do more and uh, all these degrees, uh, uh, any other certifications, uh, you don't need to have them. You need to implement and do something. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Love it. Uh, Heather, I have the question about the future. Can you tell what kind of future will be forecast this future uh, uh, on leadership uh, field and how it's important today to adapt to this future? Mm. You know, here's I'm kind of old school. I think people are the most important thing. And so going forward, I think the future of work is really about how much more present can you be with those in front of you? How much more responsive? Can you be with those who expect things from you? I'm not talking about those with just a title. So leadership to me is become more expansive so that everybody, doesn't matter their title, is now required to lead themselves and to be very aware that someone's always watching, watching from a distance. What is your impact? What will be your legacy when you leave this planet? Never mind your title. We all are going to be responsible to lead ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I love it, Heather. It's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you. You share a lot of valuable insights. Guys, you can find links to Heather books in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify and tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. I would say the best place to find me is on LinkedIn and you just find Heather Younger and I'm there. Um, and then I would say secondarily, you can, you know, come to any, go to my website and that's heatheryounger.com and that's Y-O-U-N-G-E-R. So that, hopefully that link will be there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add all these links guys. Thanks for listening and watching us. Heather, it's a big pleasure. One more time, you know, thanks for your time. Thanks for all these insights. It's so valuable guys. You need to read these books because I'm going to do it. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.